Hey there, before you start tonight's episode, we wanted to talk to you about a brand new project that we're starting that we're really excited about. It's called Whose Dice Are These Anyway? It's a podcast where the stories are made up and the rules barely matter. Join us every week as our bumbling crew of adventurers solves some mysteries, fights some monsters, and does terrible celebrity impressions. Starting Thursday, January 26th, and every Thursday thereafter. You can find Who's Dice Are These Anyway on every major podcasting distribution platform. You can also find us on Twitter at Who's Dice. We hope you'll tune in for action, suspense, and uncontrollable laughter. See you then. Hello, and welcome to the Guild that Keeps On Giving, a podcast about a group of friends and their thoughts, ideas, and experiences relating to D&D. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Patrick, and let's go talk to my friends. Welcome to the Guild that Keeps On Giving, the show that regales with tales of glorious triumphs and epic failures among friends. Today, we're wrapping up our three-part series on Descent into Avernus. <clears throat> do you want me to just jump in and start with my ideas that I had mentioned? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Patrick. So... I am actually starting to run Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus for a third time. Just started yesterday for my younger children and uh, a neighborhood friend. And I was really thinking about the beginning and how that could be changed. And one of the things that is very important is to make sure we mentioned having a paladin, but having a paladin from El Terrell is very important. And we had that. Um, with Abaddon, uh, but I actually um, had the characters witness the destruction of El Terrell, but only they were they were coming into town and they saw the city and then went behind some trees in the bend in the road and then there was this cataclysmic uh, noise and then they came around the bend of the road and the city was gone and people were running all over the place on the edges of the the thing and then. They gathered up some refugees and they were on the Baldur's Gate side. So they just went down the river and that way it was more natural and they just were part of it. And this made them be part of the refugees at the Basilisk Gate at the beginning where you meet Captain Zodge and, and he, they, they're like arresting hell riders and, and uh, the paladins and knights from El Terrell. And I had Captain Zodge give them the option of either going into kind of a refugee concentration camp or agree to work for the, the Flaming Fist. That's a, that's a very interesting way to play that. And so that way they were tied into the refugees. They were tied into El Terrell. They knew Thavius Krieg. They were, you know, worked for him like Abaddon did, our paladin from our time through it. And then they're tied in uh, and they had a little bit of adventure and role playing. And I had them have, you know, protect the refugees from some unscrupulous bandits who were taking advantage of the refugees. Uh, and then they leveled up. So then they're level two when they go to Elfsong Tavern. And by the way, I found online people have recorded the song, the Elf Song. No. And they did it in Swedish, so it sounds kind of elvish and, and things like that. I'm not surprised at all. That yeah, is beautiful. So, awesome. I, so I'm going to play that for them awesome. when they get there. But one of the things is when you get there and you're supposed to meet the spy who knows about the three, the, the dead three and all that. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say up front, this whole episode is going to be a spoiler alert. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So... 
I mean, you're you're hired to go, um, or or conscripted to go talk to the spy who knows about the Dead Three and what's going on there. And at this point, you think the Dead Three is you know, involved with all this. You don't know about the devils and all that stuff. And but the Elfsong Tavern has so much in it because it is from the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance games, right? And that's where the, the song is from and all that. And there's so much going on in there that you you just ignore. So I had Tarina not be there when they got there. Well, I'm going to. We haven't gotten to that part yet. So Tarina is not going to be there when they get there. And that way they're going to walk around and interact and talk to all these people and meet the people so that when the bandit captain shows up um, and Tarina will just be um, talking to them and they're going to rush in. So it won't be a, oh, you got to sit around and wait and take care of these guys for me. She'll be telling them the information when the pirates come in. And then it has more natural feel. You're not being um, blackmailed into having to fight for it. But you've also made friends. And you're also second level, not first level. So when the bandit captain comes in, then you um, you have all these allies. Yeah. And you already have the information. So you don't really care if Tarina, who is a bad <laughs> pirate who stole from other pirates, you may not want to help her. You may want, you know, to arrest everybody, <laughs> including her. And so it gives you more options, more role-playing capability. And um, and so I'm going to try that out and see how that, that works for that particular thing. And then if you want, you could be third level when you get to dealing with the Dead Three and the Van Thampers and just delay the next leveling up until after that. And that way you can handle the... Um, and everyone will have their subclass by then. And you can handle the, the fireball wizard and, and and everything else. So I think it was a pretty pretty good solution, and we'll see how it plays out. It definitely is approaching it from the other side of what we were saying previously, which is you can either, and I think it's a good one, like if you don't want to nerf down the enemies, especially if you're new and you're kind of uncomfortable with like, well, I don't know how much to like nerf them down or like, I'm not sure how many hit points to take off or it just did like making them drunk is disadvantaged all the time. Like that might be too much. Then yeah, like leveling up the party by giving them a little side something or like primer something so that when they do all these things, they're just that much tougher is a good, like is an alternative solution. If you're not comfortable fiddling with the bad guys or the other the NPCs. And I also think giving Zodge anything that's makes Zodge less of a you're gonna do this or I'm gonna kill you, in my opinion, is a good move because Isis, again, reading through Zodge's whole like he's gonna make them do all this stuff, just was like, oh man, like I I just foresee a lot of conflict with a lot of groups where people are like, I don't wanna do that and you can't tell me what to do. Like that's a lot of the thing for D and feel like is people going, I oh, can yeah. do whatever I want. What What do you mean I have to do X, Y, or Z? So finding a way to make him like less of a I don't know tyrant. Yeah, like just a freight train of uh, <laughs> plot. I think is better. Yeah, and I, and I think this provides uh, more opportunity for role playing and options. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that might be one way um, someone might want to try running that part. I also think, I don't know that I would say that someone has to be a paladin from El Terrell, but I do think having 
a connection to El Terrell, whatever it is, is helpful for this campaign. Because like we said before, like, I just think it's so easy if you have no connection to El Terrell to just be like, why do I care about this city? Like, if you don't have someone from El Terrell in your group, I really don't get the, like, those are the two dots that feel too far apart to connect for me. Yeah, that, like, that lack of motivation would be pretty strong. I yeah, it's like, I saved my town. I got rid of this shield or whatever, like, and I don't know why I care about, like, I mean, unless I'm just an altruistic good character, but even that, it's like, it's kind of asking a lot of someone to say, like, I'm going to go to hell to bring this city back. You know, I just feel like people would be like, "Eh, nah, (laughs) like, (laughs) I actually, I feel like a lot of it is when Wizards wrote this, they sort of put a lot of, they're going to do this because they want to play D&D sort of mentality into it. And I think that really it causes a lot of issues. If you were to actually play your character as your character in, in a lot of these situations, you'd go, uh, screw you guys, I'm going home. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're done here, right? Because I don't want to go to hell, and I don't even like El Terrell. I'm from Baldur's Gate. Yeah. You know, right. My high school football team didn't like their high school, or whatever, you know? Right. Well, that's the other thing. In the whole, like, material, it's like Baldur's Gate and El Terrell don't get along. Like, they have a... Like a rivalry for, slash and like animosity towards each other. So I'm like, so even more reason for me not to do this. And I'm not saying like, <laughs> obviously, if you're playing D and D, yeah, like there's a level of you should go along for the ride kind of attitude about it. But like, also, it's hard. I like as a DM, I've definitely sold this game to people as you can do whatever you want. Like it's so yeah. freeing. It's not like a video game. And then you get there and you go, oh, but you have to do what I'm telling you to do. Like yeah. it's just it doesn't. Those things don't connect, you know. Like for a lot of people, and a lot of the complaints I see online about stuff is like, all oh, these players just want to p- quote unquote play their character. I'm like, well, that's what we're asking them to do. Like is make a character and play it. So I don't know why we're mad at people it's when they want to do the that. Game. Yeah, like <laughs> so. One of the other things that happening at Paladin or Hellrider in particular, or in the Order of Companion, however you want to look at it, is uh, dealing with the NPC Raya Mantlemorn. And Raya Mantlemorn is a Hellrider that meets up with you after you deal with two of the three Van Thamper brothers, and she shows up and just tells you things, and. You know, that's really her only purpose. And then she's supposed to go with you. Eventually, she'll go with you to hell, maybe. But having a a game master PC like that, who's part of the party and knows all this information, I I find that to be difficult to deal with unless I'm DMing for my children and they just aren't experienced enough or about the world to come up with ideas on how to deal with things. Um, and then they have this old semi usually a life cleric or something like that that can patch them up and uh, can give them some wisdom. But when you're playing with with decently experienced people, having a, a dungeon master PC in the party can they either just sit in the back and don't do anything, and then they're just extra stats, you know. They could be replaced usually with a bunch of, uh, you know, a hireling that carries uh, potions of healing, uh, you know, or or they say too much. And then everything they say, people are like, oh, that's the DM telling me I'm supposed to do this. You know, so if if the uh, the DM PC says we should go to this town 
well, why would you not listen to that? Yeah. Sure. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's either biased one way or the other. Right. So, um, and Rhea Mantelmorn is a hell writer that's supposed to go around with you and give you some information. And um, if you have a hot hell writer in your group, you don't need her at all. You've gotten that part taken care of. And it makes the character and the player feel more involved. It gives them something to do. You're not just, you know, you're you're uh, part of... Like, I had a hard time justifying having you meet her when Abaddon was already filling that role. And I hadn't thought about just not having her there at all and just giving that little bit of information that Rhea would have to Abaddon. And then he's like, ooh. I feel important. I have something I can do. I can contribute, not just smite things. I, you know, part of this organization and I know how it works and what's going down. And I mean, I don't remember uh, it, the specifics, but like, does she only have like so little information that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like three things. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like Thavius Krieg uh, is still alive or something along those lines and is up, you know, being held by the Van Thampers. But she doesn't know. I mean, yes, major spoiler alerts with all this. But uh, <laughs> she doesn't know enough details. I mean, you can find out everything she says. Oh, and she's supposed to lead you to the um, the high cathedral when you teleport, uh, or, or um, you know, the high cathedral but, you could easily see from every anywhere in El Terrell because it's on yeah, top of a hill. Like, okay, ex- exactly, and. And the um, and any citizen that you rescue would be like, yeah, we've been trying to get to the, you know, there, there's that family that you rescue early on when you first get there that are being, you know, um, they could tell you to go there. There's no reason for her to be in any of it. And then, you know, the final betrayal as a hell rider when she find, you know, remember you found them uh, crucified um, and and the remnants of the hell riders that didn't make it out. Mm. Her reaction is part of that, but your your paladin could have all that. So there's really no point for her to be part of all of that. And I know we're jumping all over the, the place here, but um, and where she's supposed to interact. But unless you don't have a paladin and you don't have a cleric or anyone tied to El Terrell, she's kind of helpful. Mm. But well, she um, seems. I mean, the way you're describing her makes it sound like she's just. Especially since you also have Lulu, the like... Right. Yes, well, that's another thing. That's the thing, like, Lulu's got a a built-in reason why she can't just tell you everything that you need to know, because, like, she doesn't have her memories or all that. Because I was thinking, like, oh, well, maybe if you just made her, like, (laughs) have amnesia, but then it's like, oh, I literally already had that NPC with me also, so... Yeah, right. uh, And, um... I read somewhere online that somebody suggested that Lulu be one of the player characters, that you just play her stat as a character. That seems weird. Because you have amnesia and you don't know what you're doing. Uh, I'm not sure how that would go because you're literally playing a celestial monster with very limited capabilities. Um, But... uh, that's like but if you've you got be... a DM in your group that like really has run like if we did this again and <laughs> like Rick was a yes. player, it's like you could be yes. Lulu. Yeah, I would play Lulu. Yeah, like... I would play Lulu. Yeah, why not? And and you know, it doesn't matter if Lulu shows up in El Terrell uh at the very beginning and is at the Basilisk Gate with the refugees and you just have this flying mini mammoth. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, that 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 would be interesting, and of course, having amnesia 
uh, you couldn't reveal anything except for exactly when it's needed at each little time. Right. So, yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, so any ideas about, I think the next part is uh, you find out all about what's going on in Boulder's Gate and then you head to Candlekeep. Yeah, Candlekeep, and, right? That's where you meet. Um, there's a, Now, I think a big part of this that we should definitely talk about too is the shield. The, the yes. shield is a big yeah. deal. Shield of the Hidden Lord. Yeah. I and, feel like um, that saved us at times. And I think the players cannot keep that item if they choose. Yes, and I highly recommend that they do. I mean, it is corruptive and evil and intelligent and sentient. And um, there's, there's, it's part of the corruption of the city and affecting the cults of the dead three. And so when you take it, cause you can't destroy it, it's an artifact, but when you take it, uh, it can possibly corrupt characters over time or you get that sense. So they may not want it, you know, they might say, Oh, let's go give this to the flaming fist, you know, and they can hold on to it or let's throw it in the river. <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever. But it is an incredibly useful item, and, and yeah, it can be very helpful. But it it does have a lot of fire effects, and of course, the devils and demons are immune to that. So it, it was only useful. It's not overpowering, even though it can do a whole lot. It's not overpowering and throwing it, you know, you have this legendary artifact level thing. I don't, I don't know what's exact level. Um, I think it's artifact, but is it an artifact? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's very useful for the players to have that. So you may want to not have it be so sentient at first. Um, Although that's part of the deal of, you know, it's trying to convince whoever picks it up that um, if you take me to hell, I can be free of this and then I'll help you. And uh, that turns out not to be true. I, I, I do think it added a, a very cool sort of flavor part to the story, for our, at least for our party when we played. Right, and it has information. Right, yeah. It, it can. It's kind of like your guide in in Averness. So, and it, at some it, points, I think we needed that. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Filled a yeah, because it's we needed. I also think it's, that, like, I mean, I wouldn't if I were DMing this, I wouldn't water any of that down. In fact, I'd lean into like it talking to you and like, oh, I, you know, basically playing that long con of like, oh, like if you can just do this and like I can help you and be being legitimately helpful to the party to do that whole like kind of sucker them in and like that that version of corruption because it's really I feel like it's really hard to pull off like, oh, this is corrupting the party because like yeah. I mean, the party can, a lot of things you can see coming, but something like that, where it's like, oh, I'm like, I'm offering you this deal and it's legitimately really good for you. And this information is really helpful. And like, all I need is this or that thing, which you're already going to do. Like, and like building on that can like really take this into an interesting place, I think. Uh, I Right. And you can have a yeah, lot of fun with that. I, yeah. I agree. I think that's a really, you do a good job of that, Matt. I think. When we play our normal game, anyway, that you bring the the funny voices, which may or may not be the same if we talk to that character later. Right. But yep. it's, uh, <laughs> if you wait too long, I lose it. That's part of the fun. That's part of the fun. And I think that in this case, it was sort of necessary for us to have that. It, even if we, as the party, realize that this deal is also 
very self-serving for the shield which you know most you're right a lot of parties are probably going to see some stuff coming but it also helps us so in in a weird way it's it's a win-win i guess if you want to call it that for us and for the uh was it a was it a devil that was trapped in the shield yeah yes there was a yeah. uh very powerful I just devil. Know if it was a devil or a demon, but yeah, it was a devil. It was, it's, and it, um, it worked out for both of us. Yeah, it it wanted to get out of the shield and get back to doing its thing. So who wouldn't? Uh, and that's all it wanted. It didn't want your souls or anything along those lines. Um, and it thought as soon as it got to hell, it could just pop out. But that turned out not to be true. And so then it was stuck traveling around hell with you trying to. Get to get it to a place where it could get out, making deals. And and Matt, you're right. Uh, that's super helpful, get you involved approach at first. Um, that's a good sell. That's a, definitely a good sell. I think it's an easy sell, um, the way they set this up too, because you sort of feel as a player in the party, you sort of feel beaten down and you've had your ass handed to you a couple of times. And I mean, even if you survive, you still, you, you feel like, oh, I've had to trudge this whole way, and it, it's an easy deal to sell, and it it does seem beneficial at the time. At least I remember it seeming like, oh yeah, this this would be great. Let's let's get all the help we yeah, can get. We need something well, like also this. you <laughs> don't need to know that it's like. I mean, you know, it's bad to a degree because like the Van Thampers want it, and I don't know if it's emitting like evil energy or something that I can't remember, but like. The the devil inside devils can lie like you know he can say like oh no no like I'm this or that like you can you as the DM don't have to be like this is an evil item and you shouldn't trust it but this is what it's saying like you get to decide what it says and then just leave it like hanging out there for the players to figure out like yeah. or you know whatever I was oh I'm really a good item but I was corrupted like there's an item in hell that would like release me and free me of this corruption like but this, I'm the voice of an angel that's really trying to help you out, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying force your party to be duped, but, like, I'm just saying, if you're reading through this and you go, this seems like an obvious, they're never going to go for this, feel free to tweak things a little bit, like, just to make it more interesting As or compelling. I mean, yeah, yeah, like... that's. I think that's the good part about the way Rick DM'd it for us, is I feel like he tweaked um, as much of the published adventure as necessary for us to have a good time and you know continue on and we've said before if it's a published adventure you have to sort of railroad a little bit but i feel like he tweaked it in certain ways that i mean i feel like we probably could have just died you know in the first <laughs> the first encounter and he goes yeah oh, all right it was nice meeting you guys we'll see you right but i i who wants a DM next right, week? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this can be super fun. <laughs> Remember how you guys all died last week? That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> There's a reason I volunteered to DM this campaign. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Someone else is up. Uh, and, you know, that's another thing. Uh, we were talking about the easy, easy sell and uh, the good sell and how to tweak it. And uh, You did a good job, Rick, because... I don't know, Chris and Rick, uh, if you guys remember in the sort of in the beginning, it was really close to the beginning of Matt's campaign. We got the talking shield, the floating shield in Telemore. And it was bubbly and fun and nothing about it seemed evil. I still didn't trust it because of the shield that we had oh. in the descent <laughs> right. to Avernus. Like I was like, no way, there's totally something going on behind the scenes and that thing's going to murder us in our sleep or, or something. So I, I think uh, from a player who, yeah, 
from my perspective, it's uh it's it's an interesting and it's a very like fine line you guys had to walk both of you because I I mean of course we trust things now because we've had things for eight months or however long I was gonna say if you're still afraid of that show no, 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 I got no. I got some bad news but for in you in the beginning you know, <laughs> found it. Um, yeah anyway yeah right so actually in the adventure as written he does claim to be a celestial initially and that he's been trapped and corrupted and then. You know, so the idea is for him to uh, convince the characters to go to hell uh-huh. with him. So he's oh, one see, of there the. You go. I didn't even make that up. I just remembered. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just. But that's um, not the way it came. I, that's not how I remember it in our campaign. Is that what? I didn't okay, do it I was that way. Say. <laughs> and I just, I just went and scanned over, it and I was like, yeah, I think I remember it being that way. Uh, I because the. Um, the box, the puzzle box, has information as well, and so does Thavius Krieg, and you find them all at the Van Thampers, at the villa. And so you get three pieces of information there, and um, it all leads to, oh, we got to go to hell to save El Terrell. But of course, you can opt not to. <laughs> Once again, Wizards another... are genius. You can opt not to, and we'll see you guys later. That was a fun campaign. Right. Yeah, that's the end. Have well, the end I do of the think campaign. the idea of this celestial being trapped in a shield is another... If you're not from El Terrell, there's a motivator. Like, oh, maybe I'm like right. helping an angel. That might be something that yeah, is legitimately will... interesting to someone... Even for selfish reasons, because you might be like, well, maybe they'll owe me a favor. Like, Well, yeah, they, they might give us riches. Right, they so, might, you have an angel I mean, on I your get side. that it wasn't I mean, the case, but like, also, I think that some of this stuff, <laughs> I guess the way we played it, it's like, oh, how could anyone get there without doing what we did? But it's like, there are other things in the, in the adventure uh, as published to help you kind of coax coax the party along right and and all of this is the van thampers uh trying to become the grand duke of Baldur's gate and using this as a power play since uh since they knew el terrell was going to be gone that's why older Ravenguard, the leader of the flaming fists who is the current grand duke uh was sent there on a diplomatic mission so that he disappeared at the same time and so it was is a coup d'etat, mm-hmm. which is what they were doing. I know um, that for for me anyway, when, when we were playing, um, Sebastian being s- sort of a noble uh, gentleman in Baldur's Gate, that made it a, a motivating factor. I think a couple of times for us to stop this, you know, Grand Duke action from going on. Yes, Sebastian was a um, kind of a half-born patrier, being a half-elf. Um, and his elven mother lived in a lower city, and his human family lived as Betriers. And you were raised mostly with the Betriers, mm-hmm. I think, right? And uh, it wasn't your brother on the on the the whole council yeah, and all that. I think that was the yeah backstory. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was your brother or your cousin no, or it was your my brother, uncle or yeah, I think it was your brother. Anyway, so yes, he, he Uncle time. Daddy. Not important. Yeah. <laughs> <At all>. <laughs> <laughs> if it was in South Carolina, it'd be Uncle Daddy, yeah. Yep. Uncle Daddy. Um so <laughs> so he had a lot of the contacts and knowledge with the Van Thampers. And having someone of it doesn't matter what class, having them being a noble 
within the Baldur's Gate background, super helpful for all of this. So highly recommend you encourage one of your players to, to have that. And also have one of your players be from the streets, like Ellery was, you know, from the from the docks and wharfs and knowing the lower city. And it ties all that in, you know. Ellery, I didn't play this up, but Ellery could have known Tarina. I mean, Sebastian, who was a retired <laughs> sea captain, could have known right. Tarina and the captains yeah. and everything and the pirates. Well, I, think, yeah, I remember the first, I, before I, I even showed up and we were all on sort of, I think, the text chat. And I was going to not play a rogue. I was going to not play the Ellery that I created because Sebastian was already in the party. And, and he a was swashbuckler, a, swashbuckler, yeah. a swashbuckler rogue. And I was like, oh, we don't need two of these clowns. And then uh, I remember Rick was going, no, that'd be fun. Don't worry about it. And uh, Matt was, yeah, I don't care. So I I, I want to say that was like right after your session zero that we sort of got, I got him created. So right. I don't know. You're right, Matt. It doesn't matter to the audience. It does, yeah, it really doesn't. I don't show. know why I'm already going to edit really all matter. this out. So. <laughs> yeah. Totally unnecessary. We, we had a good so session then, though and you know i really think it's worth sort of mentioning again how important that can be and i think it really set us up for a great experience given the different levels of experience the we had brand new player in luke and he was really young i mean we're like you know some of us are 50 um you know like I mean, we had and, two brand new players remember uh, was it yeah. ashley or was ashley oh that's right yeah ashley, ashley had that's never right. played before and either yeah sort of came together right as right, a package yeah. deal yeah. yes yeah they knew each other right. from school i believe <clears throat> and um and they had both wanted to play and uh, unfortunately she had some family issues that right. kept her from being able to do that but uh she played zara the elven wizard but chris you're um, totally right the I mean, you guys been playing for 40 years, and uh, Matt's been playing at, uh, over 10 at that point, right, or something, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'd only, you know, just picked it back up, and uh, these guys had never played before, ever, and it was a really crazy mix, and I think it worked well for us, though, and I, yeah. I think you two, uh, Matt, I'm sorry, Matt and Chris, uh, sort of guiding me and Luke and, and her in, in the right direction, and then Rick being a very patient DM, I think, also helped a lot because, yeah. you know, we wanted to do all the crazy things, you know, that everybody yes. wants to do when they first start to get into a campaign. And I think that really made it a, a memorable experience and a, and a fun one, even though, you know, we've talked about how it can make you feel miserable and all the all the things that Avernus does well, you know. That makes right. you feel like crap and everything is the worst and I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore and and uh, it still turned out to be a very fun a fun campaign for us I think and I think a lot of that has to do with that and and you're right Chris it was sort of a I, I'm actually jealous that I missed uh, that session zero I think that would have been a really nice little meet and greet and it uh, was it was great I yeah, was I went me. home I was on cloud <laughs> nine dude. I think I was, my hands were probably on fire texting you like after. Yeah. It's it was like, super cool that you texted me and you yeah. sounded so excited and that got me so excited to come oh, yeah, in dude. and to, I, it really does. It gets me amped up when someone else has that level of excitement as well. And yeah, uh, I think that really helped a lot, especially not even so much for me, but especially for Luke and uh, Ashley, because you could tell they were frustrated and they were trying to figure things out and in the way you guys were patient and took your time and sort of explained everything and 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 you did it with excitement and I think that really yeah. I think that really helped. 
a lot. I mean, yeah. this game, there's a lot to this Prob- game. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, not that you shouldn't get into it if it's just you and friends that don't know. But, like, yeah, if you've got anyone in, in your life or a friend group that, like, knows what they're doing a little bit, it's helpful to have that person kind of be able to introduce you to it. Because, they're, I mean, even 5th edition, is the books are a lot smaller than they used to be. But there's still a lot to learn and figure out to all that. All I'm going to say on that subject is uh, I only played second edition before this. And you don't have to be a math genius anymore. You don't have to. Well, sure. I mean, a lot of it is how you want to play now versus how you have to play in the past. And I mean that in a way, not, you know, not discouraging anyone who still wants to play second edition. I mean, that's your jam. Go ahead. But uh, I think it's so much more fluid in 5th edition. And so many of the little details are more about fun and, and flourishing your, your character out than they are about, you know, doing addition, subtraction, and, and sort of figuring out all all the ways you can attack without taking too many minuses. And they're just... It's a lot more about the fun, I think, in 5th edition than it was about in 2nd edition. And I think the creativity level has gone up as well. With these, you know, we can complain about Descent into uh, Avernus, but it's really just their way of being a DM with his own campaign, railroading someone. you got to get that stuff done in the beginning, and that's how it has to work. But it's it's actually very creative of them, and it's all about making your characters meet the, uh, the story that they've created. And I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the way they've made this fifth edition sort of open to everyone, and you know, I'm I'm not like a like a social justice warrior or anything, but the inclusiveness that they've they've created with this fifth edition seems so so much greater than it was in the past as well. And I, yeah. like I say, I skipped a couple of iterations of D and D, so maybe it got better throughout the years. I don't know, but this mm-hmm. one, it just feels like it's a lot about your creativity and how to. How to bring that to the? Table. I mean, three point five had some of those same pro- like it's like if you didn't build your character the right way, you get to a level where it's like, oh, I want to take this ability or feat or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, did you take this ability or feat back four levels ago? No. Well, now you can't do like you got to take that first, and like it could really get you messed up if you didn't kind of plot your course at least a little bit in advance for your character. I don't know that it was like as bad. I've never played second edition, but fifth, they do a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, if you want to change a spell, you want to change an ability that you have, like when you level up, like you can go back and like make some changes and tweaks and stuff like that's just built into the rules. And then of course, if you've got a forgiving and or, you know, just I think good dungeon master who will, work with you and go, you know, I really don't like the choices I made. Like, can I make some different, like, can we kind of retcon or come up with something to change them? I think that's, I think that's really helpful in this edition. But I also think you're right in the way that they've written it. And this is why I kind of push back sometimes when we say like, oh, you should have a paladin in your party or this or that. Like, I do think people should have connections to these places, but like fifth edition is really good about letting the party be, whatever the party wants to be. And like, you guys can survive. You don't have to have the healer, the tank, the this, the that. It's nice to have a variety in those things. Like it definitely 
There's a reason that that's a formula that works, but 5th edition, I feel like, has gone out of its way, in a good way, to make it so that, like, if you all want to be swashbuckler rogues, like, it might be hard at some times, but you'll make it. Like, if you all, you know what I mean? Like, or if you want to have multiple of the same thing, like, there was a time playing this game, if you came in and said, well, I want to be a swashbuckler rogue too, it would be like, no, I'm already that. You can't be it. You right. have to be something that's else. That's exactly right. And that's and, the mentality I went into it with, and that's why I almost didn't play LA. Right. So, like, <laughs> I'm so glad that this game is not that way anymore, because it is it is fun to just play whatever character you want. And obviously, our campaign, we all had a lot of fun in it. And, and we did have some of the same, like, we had some overlapping stuff, and that was okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, there were some classes you could you could easily make a group of four or five clerics of different, you know, domains, and they would do fine, I think. You know, you I mean, there's so many options, I think, with these classes now and subclasses. You could really make diverse characters that don't even look that much alike, and they're the same class. That's, right. I think that's a cool thing, yeah. Or, or even the yeah. same subclass. I mean, not only did we have two rogues, we had two swashbuckler rogues. And... um you know, it wasn't like one was an arcane trickster right, right. and one was a thief. You know, uh, you even with clerics, if you have multiple clerics of, of life or something like that, they could take different spells. Definitely. They could take, you know, focus on different things, having different weapons, different armor, different, you know. And, and so you really can yeah. do whatever you want. Um, my recommendations are how do you... You know, I've been making about having the paladin for this particular one is it really ties in a lot of the story buy-in, but you absolutely don't need it. If you don't have anyone that wants to play a paladin, you know, they could be a, a wizard from El Terrell. They could be, a, you know, they don't. Yeah, absolutely. Don't have to have that tie-in. And I'm not. Um, yeah. Directly. The from reason I class. say it. Their background. Because, could yeah, be I, it's not that I'm disagreeing that like i mean it is very helpful to have a paladin as a party member who played yeah. with someone else being the paladin it was great <laughs> i loved yeah. it but yeah, like it really was. uh i just yeah exactly if you're out there dming and your friend groups and everyone in the groups like ah, i don't want to be the paladin don't make someone like it'll be right. okay you can find you know like a way to do right. all these things without and, that. and definitely i i recommend do not have a, a gm pc um, if you can avoid that, unless you don't have enough players. Uh, but it's better for the players to play two characters, in my experience, if yeah. they can handle it, than for the GM to um, to play. Well, that's, I think, uh, a big problem, not a problem, but like an issue that can come up with NPCs in general is because NPCs are the DM, there is a tendency sometimes to be like, well, if you know all this, and you can do all this. Why aren't you doing this? Like, yeah. Why? Why am I involved? That's. I mean, that's a big part of why the campaign I'm running now, like Telemore, like I went and looked back at my original notes and designs and stuff, and just like stripped out all these people that were like, "I'm this great, powerful person, and I need you to do blah blah blah." Because it's like, no, they would do that on their own, so they don't exist anymore. Like, you know, some poor wretch is asking yeah. you to do these things, and yeah. you can say no to them, or yes, but like they can't do it themselves, and that's why they have to ask somebody. That uh, makes a huge difference, really, yeah. on the player side, anyway. Sure. 
I mean, a, a, a noble is not a big oh, challenge. Oh, right, yeah. You can you be know, rich and not have any skills. You'd be like, yeah, there's commoners that are could hire you, you know, that, that have right. four hit points. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not going to go out on an adventure. That's certain death. But they might have knowledge or wealth or something that, that could be enticing. Yeah, um, I mean, I think if I were to change something, like... I can now Mantlemore or whatever her name was like, yeah, Rhea. make her Rhea somehow Mantlemore. incapable of going along. She's here to give you some information if you need her to do that. Like, but she can't go for yeah. X, Y, Z reason. Like, make something up. Like, you can. She lost a leg. Yeah, yeah. You can do all sorts of stuff. To, yeah, she took an arrow to the knee. She can't adventure anymore. <laughs> like Skyrim. Uh, but <laughs> you know. You can change whatever you want, but I I do agree. If like, I mean, again, if you want to have uh, that NPC because it's something you need, go for it. I'm not telling you not to, but as a player, I'll tell you that like I find myself going like, well, I'm just going to do whatever this NPC tells me to do because it they right, know, right. they know the, what that's the trap. They know yes, what's going to happen. The they know what's going on, right. or like I'm you know because what am I? Am I really going to fight with this NPC? Am I going to, like, who am I? I know I'm fighting with God, ultimately. Like, the DM <laughs> is telling me to do something, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, right. then it, then we get in that adversarial relationship. So it's a trap either way. So it's just, as a DM, my experience is it's better to find a way to, like, have those NPCs not be able to do whatever it is that they're asking the the party to do. Yeah, right. it sort of creates a and motivation it, for the party. Right. Sure. And motivation is important and to, to properly do that. Um, and it needs to be given some thought. And and that's probably what new DMs struggle with the most. You know, the, the old, oh, you're at a tavern. Someone tells a story. There's treasure. Go find it. You can't keep doing that over and over again. Right. Um, uh, well, I guess you could, but it's not fun. Right. The, the last I 50 mean, years would disagree with you, but yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not sure where you're going with this, Rick, but uh, you might be wrong on that. I mean, it's a good start. Each party should start there. Uh, maybe. You know, that old tavern trope. But um, eventually you need something more interesting than that. And, and finding the motivation takes experience. And... Right. My advice is to start with the old tropes. Start with the the stuff that that works, and um, and and try to avoid what they did in the beginning of this one. Whereas, if you don't do it, Captain Zod <laughs> sends a squad of mur- <laughs> right. uh, murder cops to beat you up and kill you. I'm like, I felt like the writer might have had some authoritarian <laughs> issues. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm I don't not know. sure, it but just... he has some issues. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do think no, I'm not sure how it was done, so I haven't even looked into the the author's name, so I I really have no idea. I think a hard yeah. thing when you're DMing is it's easy to write the story in your head about like they'll walk into this tavern, this person will say this, they'll say that, and it's all gonna just fall into place. But the thing to remember is it's not always, like you don't know what they're going to do. I'll never forget one of my friends was running a campaign we walked into a bar and the barkeep looks at you with a you know glare and says what the hell do you fuckers want spits on the floor (laughs) and we all said 
oh, we're leaving. He's like, what? This is this is the tavern. And I go, nope. I'm. I would never go here if I walked into a place and the owner looked at I'm me like, and said, "What the hell do you fuckers want?" I'd be like, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. I'll go find another tavern. I mean, he, I'm not spending my money yeah, here. Yeah, he made, he made <laughs> another tavern that had the exact same battle map, but then it had a nice, you know, bartender. <laughs> and it, so it's not like it totally derailed anything. He was a good DM and he could, like, adapt. But the point is, he thought we'd just, you know, I don't know what he thought. We were going to go the rounds with this guy and, like, argue and figure out the quest. And it just was like, oh, no, they're not going to. So he didn't know he, what was going to happen. He forgot that good manners are necessary in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> but that's the thing. You never know. There might be a You're group right. of people who walk into this tavern and go, I love this guy. Like, I need to know what's going on with him. Right. Like. And that starts. The, maybe that's what he thought would happen. And maybe if there's. I'm or sure. Maybe there they're are, like are groups of people. Shoot him in the. F- shoot him in the face. Yeah, for yeah. Talking there's a murder hobo you know? party out there that just murders him immediately. Like, it's yeah. like there's a lot of variation. <laughs> the point is, like, you gotta. Yeah, that's the hard thing about being a DM. A lot of times, you gotta think like, okay, this is what I would do, but like, what is what would be something else that could happen. You know, right. conceivably, and try to like come up with thoughts about those things. Yeah, it's it's got to be super tough because the amount of of things that could happen is almost inconceivable. You know, yeah. it depends on the party you get together. <laughs> this week, when you guys were like, "It's nine thirty, and I don't think Matt's got anything more prepared." I have pages and pages of maps for all the different places you could have gone, and the one thing I didn't quite have ready as you were like we just go back and i was like cool 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 like (laughs) so that's what you did and i was like i was like yeah "Yeah, all right that's fine i'll be ready for this and then you guys argued about it for a half hour i was like oh this is i'm not even gonna step in like they'll just eat the clock out so (laughs) you're playing the clock Nice. You know what? I don't think we should go back. Let's go back to the city. Those maps are ready, so I don't care <laughs> what you do. I now the new maps are ready because I've prepared them in the since we ended. But that's my thing: is you never know what the even when you think you know, you yeah, don't. You can't. Right. You, you don't. You can't. I mean, so and that's the fun part. I I think our party also is is. I mean, everyone thinks they're unique, but. I think our party is a little unique, right? We're all snowflakes and shit. But uh, I, I think our party does some oddball shit that we don't even think we're going to do. And it's got to be hard to DM that. Yeah. The, the hardest accurate. part is at the end of each week, I ask you what you want to do. And then the beginning of the next week, you guys <laughs> debate it. Like, maybe we shouldn't do that thing. And I'm like, that's what you said you wanted prepared. Like, yeah. that's my one pet peeve about the way that this goes is every week. So now I just prepare other th- Like, that's why I have all those other maps because it's like, they're not going to the forest. Like, I'll have that ready because they said so, but like, they're not going to do it. They're going to go do something else. I was shocked when you guys were like, that's what our plan was and we're going to stick to it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's weird. So, I mean, maybe all you have to say is, okay, you guys are at the forest, and we'll start there next well, time. Well, I, like, I like that you guys you make know, the choices. And then we're locked in. <laughs> and then we're locked in. Because we made that choice. You put the work in. But I like. I and, want and, you and, to do what you want to do. And if you have an idea an hour after we get off the session, I don't want it to be like, no, you've locked in. Like, 
That was your final answer. I'm sorry. Goodbye. You so you said it was your pet peeve, and I was. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. Well, it's uh, that's what it is. It's a pet peeve. It's not worth. It's not enough to like (laughs) stop doing what I'm doing. It's just very minorly and like frustrating. But like, hey, I I just feel lucky someone else is DMing because I haven't played in twenty years. So this is I I feel lucky every week when someone else is DMing. <laughs> when it was you, Rick. Now that it's Matt, I mean, when I try to de- when I try to DM it, I get sort of just I'm all over the place because I never, like Matt said, you never know what these people are going to do, and and yeah. it's not like we don't know each other and we haven't been playing for like a couple of years together. We still have no idea what we're doing when we show up, and and we'll change it. On, I mean, like you wouldn't believe. Just so well, if I, I that's the thing, if I let you talk long enough to each other. You guys were going to go to five different places, it felt like. It was like, let's go to the Coliseum. Well, no, let's go to the palace. Oh, well, maybe that's too dangerous. So let's go back to the Coliseum. You know, let's just leave the North altogether. Like, you guys just talked yourselves in and out of, like, different missions. And it's like, okay, well, well, one, if I jump in and go, now you're here, I don't know, like... I like to let that stuff play out. That's the that's the hardest part is the I just stay quiet and don't tell you something's a good idea or a dumb idea or whatever and go they'll figure out what they want to do and then we'll do whatever that thing Oh yeah, is. we'll figure out our own mistakes. We don't need any help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can make many our mistakes. own bad decisions. Absolutely. So, um back to descent to Avernus. So we're at, uh, you're leaving Boulder's Gate. You're going to Candlekeep to get information to open up the box. And then after that, you figure everything out for the most part and are sent on the mission to rescue the city. Yeah. Yeah. And that plays out pretty straightforward. Um, and at that point, you could leave someone else to go down to hell and just roam around Baldur's Gate in a sandbox or, you know, the DM could switch it. But if you want to stay in the adventure, you have to go to hell. Um, And there you are. You're deposited through a gate, a magical gate, and then you uh, scramble through the city and find out what's going on and figure out that you have to get out of the city to rescue the city. And then you wander around Avernus until you figure it all out. And then, so what part do you think we should uh, discuss through that? Uh, from a player standpoint, since you guys had played, where did you feel it needed the most help? I actually really enjoy the once you're in Avernus part because it's like we've talked about, like, yeah, I get that I'm on a railroad, but like, I want this train to get me out of hell. So like, I have no problem being on like, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. As frustrating as like those quests are where I'm just constantly like, I mean, that's the devil path. If I want to just fight everything, I could take the demon path. But like, you know, I don't mind that the way it's written because there's a major motivating factor, which is I don't want to be in hell anymore. Now, if your players all want to stay in hell, I mean, you can do that too. I don't think, like, I don't think there's really anything wrong with the way it's written. And not that that's so much wrong with the first part, just like there's tweaks I would make. But honestly, reading through and playing through, it's like, 
yeah, this all feels like adequate difficulty. Like, I was really happy once we were, <laughs> and conceptually, <laughs> once Louis right. got to hell, like, I felt like it was, everything was hard, but like appropriately hard, not like this can't be done or like what's going on, like why did they write it this way? So I really liked the rest of the, the campaign the way it is. Good. So did I. One of the things that helps, oh, I'm glad to hear that. One of the things that helps is that time is distorted. So there's no rush. You you could make it a rush when you want to. It could take hours to get to one location and days to come back on the same route um, if you want it to. Sure. So given that time distortion, there's there's a sense of, okay, here I am uh, and I got to take care of this. But, you know, the, there's a battle going on, the blood war right underneath the city. The demons are trying to claim it once it's there and the devils want it. And, you know, that could rage on and on and on and on without no sign gaining advantage. And so you could play around in hell for a long time if you wanted to. And in the and in the deal making on the devil side, there's nothing that says, "Oh, you have to come back in one hour." Or, you know, it's you could scramble around, you could drive around, you, you know, you're driving all over the place. Those. I think the majority of it, once you get to Avernus, is party specific, and you know we've talked about this before in the past. DM know your party. Right? Yeah. If they're really enjoying, you know, doing these quests, and I forget how Matt put it, like the Legend of Zelda trading. Oh yeah, like the I call <laughs> it the banana for, trading game, but right, yeah, it's yeah. always like it starts with some weird object, and you're always like trading right. for some other weird object that someone you're else wants. Two steps away from whatever object you need. Yeah, the last thing is always like a cool sword or like a, a bigger money belt or something right. like something you actually could find useful. <laughs> but I mean, if if they're enjoying that, then well, there's no reason you have to cut it short, or you can't make up as many silly quests as you want. And, right, and that goes for the rest of the campaign. I think Matt's right on about once you've had some some time in Avernus and you've done some of this stuff and you've leveled up and nothing is like inexplicably difficult anymore. It's just like average difficulty, you know. Like it's it's how it's supposed to be. It's appropriate. And then I think yeah, it seems yeah, pretty and balanced. All the way to the end, I think is pretty good. I think once again, just DMs know your party. If they really want to do some of this stuff for much longer, do it. And if they don't, then, you know, just yeah. do what's required to get to the next step. And and I think you can ride that all the way out to the end of this campaign. Uh, it, and it, it, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and same thing with, like, like you talked about, Rick, like, cutting out the deals with individual demons or whatever. But, like, if your party's into, like, you can lean into that more and do, you know, like, you can do whatever you want as a DM from that point of view. Like, but, like you said, Patrick, like, Knowing your party is key. Like, is this going to create a bunch of fights and problems because I've got this holy paladin who's absolutely opposed to any deal and, like, I'm trying to make deals with everyone else and it's just creating unnecessary inter-party dynamic problems? And, like, my party's not into that? Some parties are. Some parties, like, are straight up here for, like, an interesting story and that's what they want to do. strive on that. Right. So, like, if that's your party, lean in. Like... Do whatever is best for your group, but like, yeah, know your group and do what's right for you and them. Like, yeah, and you know, like players like Chris, having him along was was key for me as well because Chris is very clear with his intentions of what his characters. I'm mean, even when he was playing the 
you guys don't know me. I'm a super shady spy or whatever. He's, <laughs> he's very clear with his character's intentions going forward, like what what he wants to do, what we should do, that sort of thing. I'm not, and that's usually typically because I, I have no idea what I want to do next or <laughs> what my character would, you know, would do in the face of these certain situations. But if you, as the DM, have a character like that, or a player like that, I should say, or multiple players like that, um, it's it's going to be a little easier than if you have, you know, five of me who are like, yeah, let's just do whatever. That's that's going to be tough. But if you've played with them a little bit, and I think we said this in the beginning of this little series about Descent, it's not the best one to start out with for new players and a new DM. So if, if you've played with these people before and you have sort of an idea of how they play and everything, it's going to be a lot easier for you, I think. And it's right. going to be very difficult for a first-time DM and, and new players as well to muddle through this without some some assistance. Yeah. I noticed that your group uh, liked the tactical fights. And so I threw in, uh, I doubled up on those pretty much. There's a, a bunch of different yeah, scenarios. Yeah, you killed us like 50 times. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. I know. It's so much fun. I do not like that. <laughs> <laughs> do not like death over and over and over. No. Uh, yeah, and no, we did, and I think we we excel at those too because we actually well, right. play well off of each other. So that's great. Right. My- now, not all the yeah, not all the encounters were that, but there were three or four, and I made them to be like and that five made or six us or seven um, instead. I'm, I mean, I think that made us better uh, as a team, as a collaborative storytelling team. I think that that helps us along because we do well and we do play off each other well in those sort of tactical mm-hmm. uh, situations. But some parties yeah. may not. Some parties may be all about just flavor, no combat, and some, you know, just role-playing. And, and, it, and you just really have to know your party. I know I've said that like 10 times now, but I think it is key, like yeah. Matt said. It's it's key to, to enjoying this. And you can you can downplay either side in Avernus. That's the beauty of it. There's so much richness and characters and uh, written into the adventure. That you could be role playing for night after night after night um, without any battles, um, or you could battle your way through it if you don't right. want to talk to them. Um, it's it's not like they're they're mindless monsters or crawling undead that you have to go through waves and waves of. You know the the devils, the de- even the demons will talk to you in some cases. The demon lords, um, not nearly as much, and they're not going to make deals, but uh, they have motivations too. It's not just all sure. destruction. So um, you can play around with all of that. And if they're loving being little warlords <laughs> for a little while, driving around on those vehicles like Mad Max, and <laughs> I did, I did enjoy that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that could be fun. Um, playing that up a little bit. I think bit this and, this uh, adventure gives you, know. you a lot of room to maneuver as a DM. Yes. Uh, even more so than a lot of the published adventures I've played. And I think it gives you the ability mm-hmm. to really kind of hone in on what your party, what they really want to do. You know, like Especially, Fandel right. and some of those, you, you don't have that sort of huge story to, to play around with. You just, you know, it's it's kind of small and narrow. And I think this one allows you to do a lot of things. Right. And you can skip the whole Boulder's Gate part. You right. can start at fourth, fifth level and just be like, you've been hired to be gated into hell to rescue the city. Here's the information we have. Go. Honestly, that wouldn't be a terrible um, way to do this because um, that's my big complaint with the first part of the book is so much of the, I feel like so many of these dots don't get connected very well or they're kind of like, 
I don't not that they don't get connected, but like it's kind of it feels forced a lot of times if if the characters aren't clearly already motivated to do that at literal yeah, right no, so yeah, it's just yeah, literally forced yeah. yeah sometimes yeah that's what the book prescribes so uh it, i just feel like but once you're in avernus i totally agree i think it, it it's like everything opens up every well one the encounters feel more balanced the motivation is clear like and there's a lot that you can do and tweak and like you said like lean into one thing or the other whatever suits your party and your needs and just roll with it and yeah. there, there's a lot less of this like and if they don't do x like you must go, murder them yeah you must murder them and they have to make new characters it's no. like it's bad when the book is the murder hobo right you know right I mean? yeah. yeah like that's yeah then, and that's what i'm saying it stops being that after you get to avernus which is yeah. funny because that's where you think the murder right. hobos would be right. that's but... the home of the murder hobos <laughs> It's yeah. like no. So the you're also playing in the sweet spot. You're you're starting at fifth through tenth, uh, twelfth. You know that is the best. All my experience since 2014. That's the best place to play. You know the higher levels get so difficult. The lower levels are you know you're just learning your character. I, mean, I think it just once again but, it depends on this story doesn't lend itself well to those very hard encounters for the very low levels. Where I, I think you did a good from a player's perspective, Rick. You know, I played with you through the adventure, and then I read the adventure. You really did a good job of getting us through the nonsense uh, and the extremely, I think, unbalanced encounters in the beginning. And I really enjoyed that beginning part of the story. And I don't think that it has to be taken out completely. No, I mean, I did. No. I, I enjoyed. Uh, I'm just looking at the look on Rick's face. I actually did enjoy that, and I thought that um, uh, you did a good job. And I think it could have gone the other way. I think it could have been miserable, and I would have hated it. But it's well, it's my family were miserable when I ran it through the first time, and I right. bumped into all this. And, and I was reading it, you know, a couple pages ahead. I hadn't read the whole thing. I was just like, "Ooh, we got a new book. Let's try it out." Right. Page and, one, um, murder the family. Page two, if they don't do this, murder the family. Page, page two. two. No. Yeah, murdered family. I'm like, yeah, this is rough, and and um, and I realized from their reactions and their, <laughs> you know, half the party going down and and in the first fight. See, and, that's a know, I was like, wow, that's this, a big this state. Is rough. Rick, this is wrong. You had we actually had the benefit, not so much just you, but we had the benefit of you already going through this. That's a big statement, guys. Right, I mean, read it all the way through, sure, but. The experience of of you being a long time DM and you've already played this through with someone that yeah it made it made a big difference um, and I didn't get any advice podcast I mean <laughs> you know no one else had Sorry, run through we it yet uh, you know it we just come yet. out <laughs> we're a little late to the party on that so yeah so I hadn't read any uh, anything on it yet it had just come out and. Um, you know, I pre-ordered it and we played it the day I, it arrived. So, yeah, it, it it's hopefully what we're saying here will help make this particular adventure because it's a it's a beautiful adventure and um, it's it's full of so many things and so much fun. Uh, plus, they gave you a whole cityscape. You know that you could start there. You could just use the the Baldur's Gate information in the back of the book and and. That can be your home base for anything you want you to do. You could play a whole campaign um, on just that. <laughs> just roaming around inside the city. Yeah, you wouldn't I mean, even have to huge. leave the city with, with everything that's going on. Yeah. So, and they did the same for Waterdeep. Um, 
in some of these adventures. And that's what I, I kind of like with these adventures. You know, I, I love Forgotten Realms sure. lore. And they fleshed out all the little towns and all the little, you know, each time they do this, like uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden fleshed out the whole 10 yeah. towns area. You know, I think that's Chris Burton's whole thing is bringing all of that historical D&D back to life. Or it has been. I mean, I'm not sure what he's up mm-hmm. to currently. But I think that's really cool for people who have been playing for a long time. And, and all these things are getting their day in the sun again, if you will. And I, I really like that they're sort of bringing it to the forefront, even though it's, you know, 30 years old or, you know, whatever. And, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I'm hoping they expand to other areas, just not just up I and think down they the are, coast. Actually. But, uh, I've read some stuff that's in yeah, the works. Yeah. And, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know we've reached our hour. So any, I would like to just go around and get final thoughts uh, and advice for Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. So who'd like to start? I mean, my hot take uh, is that <laughs> definitely read through the whole thing, but I would tweak the beginning how you need to tweak it. We've given a lot of advice on that. And again, be careful with your t- this is a long hot take uh be careful with your tweaking you don't want it it's not about i'm not saying like cheat and just like do whatever make it however you want but like just go through and kind of try to carefully either you know nerf some of these first encounters or like rick said in this episode like maybe boost your party up a little bit like just something to kind of balance that out and then once you get them into avernus like just have fun like i i think it's it's all there for you so that's my advice. Nice. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. I was going to say a similar thing to, to really enjoy the Avernus part because how often do you get to play yeah. in hell? <laughs> you know, on a different plane that, that is, they're just mentioned in, in other books and then you have to come up with it. There's so much going on in there and so much role playing and so much adventure and, and fighting and anything you want. Uh, is all in there and and don't rush to try to get to the end and save the city right away there's there's no time pressure so you could really enjoy it and and have a lot of good role playing sessions i think that would be great nice what about you chris um the thing that we didn't really cover too much of was like how to wrap this all up like when every, like all the biggest sort of stuff happens like how do you manage dealing with you know, the, well, I guess, are we okay? I guess we're, we've said spoilers. You know, like, you're <laughs> you're going to receive a crazy powerful item. You're essentially going to be talking with, like, the, the heads of state, if you will, in El Terrell. And you could do what we went, which was we were going to take over <laughs> and elect ourselves to office and, and such. But, um, you know... <clears throat> I think wrapping up hell is is something that can be done with some finesse or um, or not. I mean, I think you can really have the potential to sort of make that a little wonky, and that's probably something that you should think of. You know what I mean? The adventure has some good advice. Yeah, for that. I like I that chapter. Actually, I, I, I did too. There was there was a lot of you know what if the party does this what if the party does that what if they you know if they decide that and it, it gives a lot of good advice there and you just let the party decide which way to go and and, and wing it but um, I do think you're oh sorry my biggest thing was what do you do when you get back they don't go into that at all it it ends there and the city is heading back if you succeed and then yeah, we were lucky that, that you had it. another adventure plan and this was sort of the 
kicking off point. That would be an odd place to end something if we just had played Descent into Avernus, you know, looking back on, back on it now. It's like, yeah, yeah. and they... But know, I mean, if you're successful in your mission and you, and you <laughs> raise the city, and I mean, you do leave feeling victorious and it's sort of a happy ending, I guess, if you can have one in a D&D adventure like that. But it is, that's a, it does seem strange to end it just like that. But Well, I do think... Chris's point about like definitely read through those options uh, well ahead of time about like how to end this because if you let the end sneak up on you there's a lot of different side it can go sideways <laughs> on you really easy so I do think like yeah. definitely prepping that and figuring out okay if they do this what am I going to do if they do that what am I going to do yeah. like because it doesn't always end with them bringing the city back on top like I mean there's a lot of different ways this can go that don't have you returning to Right, Faerun, or you know the Forgotten Realms. So yeah, it was a good point, Chris. You know that that you, definitely it could yeah, go wonky as for sure it, if you're not prepared. So yeah, it's a, it's a big epic ending, and it, no matter which way it ends, and uh, if if you're turning this into a whole campaign rather than just this one adventure, and then you go off and get new characters and do something else. You kind of have to have a, a thing for them to do when they get back at 13th level, yeah. which is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't feel powerful while playing the published adventure portion. It didn't feel powerful until we were back and, you know, we started our new adventure. You feel, like Matt said earlier, it's a it's an appropriate amount of difficulty. power against you. Yeah, yeah difficulty, uh, the... the the encounters are definitely scaled heavily against you in some parts, but the majority of it, you just feel sort of like you're you're trying to survive, which I think was supposed to be the theme. So, I, I mean, I think they got that, you know, right on. But ending on, I can just see, you know, I can remember us coming back and it's over and everything, and to end there would just feel sort of empty, you know. Versus what we did and carried on and had our own campaign. But yeah, Chris is definitely right on too, I think, about uh, be studious, Dungeon Masters, and, and know what's coming and have a plan because it could yep. go extremely wonky, as Chris put it. I think, All right. those, I think those were my final thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is dead air at this point. Uh, all right well yeah. um i think that pretty much wraps it up unless anyone has anything else about descent they'd like to put out i'm good crickets yeah <laughs> i'm I good don't with know that. what else we'll consider say. this case closed and okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. we're nope, forever we have <laughs> spoken <laughs> all right we have spoken i like that that's how we'll end every podcast now and yep. we have spoken uh, <laughs> All right, so the thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it, uh, all your insights and experience, and we'll talk about something new next week. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Very good. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the Guild that keeps on giving. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast service. Also, don't forget to like and share our Facebook page, The Guild That Keeps On Giving on Facebook, our Instagram at TGTKOG, and our Twitter at T underscore G underscore T underscore K underscore O underscore G. For all of us here at The Guild That Keeps On Giving, thanks for listening and have a great week.